Masters, Mighty Minotaur, Myrtle, we're headed down from the volcanoes of the beachy capital of Minigolf and ready to talk about some serious competitions. Let's get tropical on the podcast. I'm Mr. T, but you can call me Tom. I'm half of a couple of putts, a season one contestant on Holy Moly, and completed my first ever Masters of Mini Golf and Mighty Minotaur tournament down in Myrtle Beach. Find all the mini golf designs, reviews, and more for myself and my wife, the Pink Putter, at a coupleputts.com and on social media at coupleputts. Now I'm Pat, but you know me better as the Putting Penguin. You may be running into the off season for mini golf here in New England, but that doesn't mean we'll have any less mini golf content. You can find everything we'll be posting from the tournament recaps to mini golf reviews over on the Putting Penguin website, as well as our social media channels, all of which can be easily found searching for Putting Penguin. We're dedicating this episode to looking back at the USPMGA's Masters Tournament that was held earlier in October. To help give us some perspective on the tournament, we're bringing on a special guest and fellow Holy Moly alum, Aaron Kaminsky from O Street Mini Golf. But before we get there, I'm going to give a brief overview of the tournament in case you missed our last episode where we previewed the Masters. So this year, the tournament was held on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and we had 12 total rounds. There were six on Thursday, four on Friday, and two on Saturday. These were played over three courses in Myrtle Beach. Three rounds were played at the Pineapple side of Hawaiian Village. Four rounds were played at the Aloha Mini Golf Course. And five rounds were played at the Hawaiian Rumble Course. So that's 216 total holes of mini golf over three days. This year's winner, and it should be no surprise to anyone that she won because it's now her third green jacket, was Olivia Samuel, who's also known as Olivia Prokopova in the mini golf world. She happened to got married this past year to fellow putter Wade Samuel, who also did very well in the Masters this year. For perspective, she won with a score of 373, which over 216 holes is an average of 1.7 strokes per hole. And she won by two strokes over 12 rounds. So if that doesn't tell you how competitive and close the Masters tournament is and how good the putters are, maybe except for present company here when we start talking about our results, (laughs) I don't know what does. So that is the very high level stuff. You can find a ton of information on the podcast, social media channels, Putting Penguin, Couple of Putts, O Street, Mini Golf, um, we also did put out the link to the actual final scores where you can go into a bunch of stats and everything. But let's get into the more interesting stuff in the personal side. And I'm going to start by kicking it over to Tom, because as we talked about last episode, this was Tom's first experience at the Masters. So what do you think, Tom? I thought it was wild. It was a lot of work. I didn't really expect it to be that when I would describe it, but... I spent a lot of time with you and Aaron, our guest, really getting to learn those courses in a way that I've never played mini golf before, but it honestly paid off. I look at my score and scores for all the rounds, and I'm pretty proud of it. I had a handful of really bad rounds on Pineapple and one on Rumble, but otherwise my rounds weren't too bad. In fact, I was like looking at it, Aaron's like fantastic rounds on pineapple alone, I think were the difference between our scores. I just really didn't uh, do so hot on that one, but had some like really great things. Like I was looking through on all of the courses, which holes that I had aced and oddly in four rounds, I aced 10 of the 18 at Aloha in five rounds, 11 of the 18 at Rumble, but pineapple to give you a sense of how bad I did, I only got three of the 18 in a uh, hole in ones and 
in one of them hole in one or hole number one i got all three rounds which i'm pretty proud of but that accounted for uh, a good bunch of my hole in one so it was it was a learning lesson i think next time i go hawaiian village's uh pineapple course probably my least favorite course now in myrtle beach will be the one that i'll be practicing the most and looking forward again to getting it uh in the rear view mirror i knew that one would give me trouble just from what everybody said but yeah it was a hot day i will say one interesting thing looking at the stats the first Three rounds for everybody. If you look at the stats in the USA mini golf results, you'll see the most amount of blue in general in those first three rounds. And if you just kind of glance at it otherwise, there's not a lot of blue. And for those of you that are not looking at the numbers that we look at, the blue are the best scoring rounds in comparison to the competition. Pat, you could probably shine a little bit better light on it than me as far as how that looks statistically. Yeah. Um, so the system that internationally we use is this system called band golf, and it basically does calculations against par. And for this tournament, all of our pars are, are 36, so to a hole. Um, so there's kind of a scale to make it easy to visualize and see who's done really well and who does badly. So blue is, I believe it's less than or more than six strokes below par green is kind of up to that six strokes red's a little bit over par and then you don't want any black scores because that's where you're kind of not doing so well so yeah when you look at that whole list of players you'll tend to see blue grouping towards the top and the blacks grouping towards the bottom just sort of naturally and um, it is interesting to to show it that way that you've got the blues although i think what they did in looking at this now kind of live is they moved all the aloha scores to the first three rounds to make it even which was why you'd have a bunch of blue scores because that's the easiest of the three so it's not necessarily the three rounds that they played for our listeners one of the things i didn't talk about is you split up kind of a third a third a third and you rotate round robin through those first three courses um for the first nine rounds so when we play it's a little bit weird you don't really know where everybody's sitting because the courses aren't all equal in terms of difficulty but now in the final results they've kind of grouped them by the course so that you can better compare results so if i'm reading this correctly then aaron did not get a 29 31 34 on pineapple which i feel like that we would have talked about that more we would have talked about a 29 on pineapple everyone would have talked about a 29 (laughs) on pineapple because i was gonna say you're you're only what three holes that you aced on pineapple really isn't that far off the average i think i only aced five and honestly there's probably only six on that course that are really like normally aceable yeah i think that's the only course that i went out of bounds as well i had a couple that yeah just gave me some trouble on it and the funny thing is is playing mini golf normally a 40 and a 41 is not a ridiculous score i'm not like oh my god i got a 41 i mean if i got a 41 or a 40 at lily but i would be to the moon it you know break course records but on these courses Anything in the 40s is just like, which is weird. The round that really stood out for me and that is still baffling was the one course that we played the most. And I talked about this on our daily recap, Hawaiian Rumble. I was so nervous going into it after after having previous day played those really bad rounds at Pineapple Village. And I stepped up and I missed the easy ace on one. And somehow with bogeying 18, I ended up with 30, making some aces on holes that in practice I'd made maybe once or twice, but not that often. And 
Yeah, it was just, it was a really like weird moment because a 30 on Hawaiian Rumble is probably the be- best I'll ever do there. And that was the round that, that the Masters champion, Olivia, uh, had both of her last two rounds to win it. And that was an outlier. So she did it in the rain. So she deserves even like an extra wild level of credit. But yeah, it was just baffling to get that kind of a round, which is my second best round of mini golf ever in the first time that I played the course we play the masters the most. So yeah, I, I said in the last podcast, I, you know, if I shoot the moon, I'm not in the bottom 10 and I ended up tied for 49th in the top 50 out of 72, which feels like a massive win for me. So I'm grateful I did as good as I did. All right. And uh, so we're going to bring Aaron on. And I guess, Aaron, we've talked about you a lot on the podcast, but this is the first time (laughs) we're actually having you on. So before we dive into your master's experience, I know you've played a few times. Why don't you give our listeners a little background on who you are? Yeah. um, Well, thank you for letting me be on the uh, the podcast. I've uh, been an avid listener and uh, now I... uh, I get to contribute. So this is very exciting. Like you mentioned, Pat, my name is Aaron Kamensky, also known as El Presidente. I was on uh, season two of Holy Moly, uh, like the two of you. I did not win, uh, but, you know, it's uh, it's the the adversity that, you know, really like builds up character. So um, I'm just, uh, honestly, the big win was meeting you guys and, and, and you know, solidifying this bond. So, um, but yeah, uh, other than Holy Moly, I run O Street Mini Golf, which is an organization that we dub for mini golfers by mini golfers. And uh, we run uh, a tournament originally all summer long, uh, but now it's branched into the winter, spring, and fall leagues. And then we have our $1,000 tournament that you both have come out to, which I appreciate. And uh, we also just travel the country uh, playing miniature golf, documenting courses, more visual aspect of uh, what you guys do or a uh, full playthrough video. And for you, how many times have you played the Masters now with this year included? So I didn't realize how many times I played until we went down this past year, but that was my fifth time playing the Masters. I played 2015, 16, 17, 19. So you're wow. actually the veteran of the Masters group here. I, I, I am. And yet I feel, uh, feel like I'm a a rookie going into every single year. That's, that's how, uh, that's how far behind the, the group, the top players that I, uh, that I'm playing against. It's just going in, coming from my league where I feel like I'm at like the, the top of, uh, the players in my, my area. And then you go to the masters and it's just so, so humbling. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of a a good way to look at it in general, because you take really all of these groups. And I think there was about 22, 23 different states represented this year at the Mm -hmm. Masters. And sometimes there's a little bit higher international, but with COVID and everything, obviously that's been put down. So, yeah, you're literally taking like your top few players from all of these regions and you're bringing them all together. And I think humbling is a good way to put it. I know until this year, um, the past three times I had played it again, kind of similar. I do very well up here in the Northeast. I've had success in the U.S. Open, which is the other major one, but I never finished higher than 40th in the Masters. And it's just, and you look at the names above you and you're like, well, these are all names I've recognized and people played for us. So it's really hard to like chip away at that or sit there and say, yeah, you know, I, I quote unquote should have beat these people because no, you probably shouldn't have. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I swam for almost half my life. I, I swam 
one year, my freshman year, D1 at Drexel, you know, every kind of next level of swimming uh, that I reached was just a whole nother caliber of competition that I just, you know, maybe starting off, I'm like, oh, like I'm, you know, one of the fastest swimmers, you know, in Ocean City. And then you go to high school and you're like, all right, like maybe I'm like the top three in my, my, you know, team. And then you go to States and then you go to the zones or like middle like, and it keeps growing and growing. And you just start realizing that you're like, all right, it's not that I'm not as good as I thought, but there are people that now I need to try to beat. And I think it kind of creates a little bit more motivation because since going to the masters, the summer league has really been a great preparation to the kind of tournament season that you guys have talked about, you know, in September or late August, September, October. And now we've done our fall league. And I'm just like, I, I really get into the mindset. I feel like my putting gets so much better throughout the year. So when I go to the masters, I am playing the best miniature golf that I am possibly uh, able to do. It's just a matter of executing the shots that I know. And obviously that's a lot harder than it sounds. Well, you, you did all right this year because you snuck into the money. <laughs> I I did, even though they didn't announce my name, but oh. I did. I did it. I was there. <laughs> no, I. it's uh, the same feeling for you, Pat. I mean, you, you keep going down and um, arguably it's the, the biggest miniature golf tournament um, in the country and, you know, for the end of the year. And to finally it's not even the money that you, you want. It's the fact that you actually got money playing miniature golf, no matter how big or small. And then to just say that, like, you're like, I, I got 35th overall, well, 30, 36. Thanks, Danette Block. But um, no, it's, it's something that you can kind of really hang your hat on. And not to say I love bragging about it, but like I am. I'm very proud that I got 35th overall. And I do have to plug quickly my mom got second in the women's division so proud love you mom you did amazing never gonna let this down you're a mini golfer for life yeah go lisa and not to be overlooked also our co-host pat sheridan this is the best finish you've had at the masters yourself as well you came in 26 correct that's correct yeah so not only making the money but moving pretty far up there and actually moved up the last day. And it's funny because I went into this like with very low expectations because I hadn't done as well. You know, I travel down there with my family, so it's kind of vacation and we haven't been in a couple of years because of COVID. So my thought process this time around was I was going to dial back a little bit of the practice, spend more time with the family, and which I did. And apparently it worked out that way. But Aaron, you brought up a point like the past few years, especially like we've had this really good season of lots of tournaments in the Northeast, especially that lead up to this. And I didn't even really think about it. And this will be a humble brag a little bit, but like the last tournament I played in, I won. So like I was playing very well and my mindset as I was going in was kind of the same that I had at Matterhorn. It was just, you know, this year I really looked at it and I said, every hole, that's all I'm going to focus on is that hole. And like you said, hit the shot that you know, and not worry about what my score is. <laughs> I worry about if I drop a shot that I got to make it up. And, you know, I look at it and as much as, you know, I didn't average a 1.7, but out of 216 holes, I only had 13 above par holes. So it was basically just about one around. And that's, you know, if I look at that versus my pat, like that was the difference between being 
in the 40s where I was in the past and then you know making it up you know nearly 20 spots um this year so I was same thing Aaron like I walked off rumble that last round when I knew I was at least above 30 as the scores were coming in and like fist pumping in the parking lot because it just (laughs) it was cool to get the money it was cool to be able to say like I did that I I beat people that I haven't beaten before at the Masters and you know now it sets a little bit of an expectation next year but I I like that yeah and I think that your mentality when playing not just miniature golf, but going into any uh, sport is so important. I mean, not only do you have to have a positive mindset, but like a a bad shot could really like break your game. I I know for my worst round was at pineapple and the first two rounds I was acing hole number one. And instead my third round, I hit the rock had a weird shot to try to get close to the hole and got further away, walked away with a four to start off the round. And then I got a weird four on hole number three. So I was four over par going into hole four, now trying to play catch up. And that completely shifts the way you play a little bit because you know you have to try to make up a few hole in ones somewhere. And then in the competition setting, I mean, you know that you have to try to beat certain people and you get paired up with the people that you have to beat, some being your friends or people that you're friendly with. Um, I got uh, teamed up with uh, Danny uh, Baddeley, if that's yep. pronunciation. I thought it was like Bradley or something before. I thought there was an R in there. Sorry, Danny. But Danny was such a great partner. I mean, we're both cheering each other on, even though we know we have to beat one another in order to move up. So it's such a unique dynamic and almost kind of equated to like the competition swimming where there's not really like trash talking. But you're, you know you have to beat the person next to you, but you're also congratulating them because you know the struggle that it took to get to that point as well. And you know how tough it is to maybe make a really hard shot. And I felt that fully starting off the tournament playing with highlighter Mark Novicki from up in Connecticut, who Pat's very familiar with. At first, I thought he was grateful to be playing with me because he would just like cream me. But I think he was genuinely excited to be paired with someone he knew. And for me, being my first Masters, I was terrified. The first hole, I changed my approach randomly because I was just so nervous and ended up still with a two, which on the first hole to Aloha is fine. It's a hard one to ace. So I came out okay. And, and he was even generous enough where on a few holes where I aced it and he didn't, I was like, do you mind just keeping honors? I just kind of need this for my first round. And he was just like really generous. And it worked out pretty well for me. I got two thirty twos at Aloha to start my tournament, which honestly, I, I was just kind of baffled by. I aced hole number two that I think Mandy might have caught on video for putting penguin over to Aloha. And I was just like, there it is. First one's in the books and we're off. And it was one that I never really aced. But, you know, in addition to highlighter, I just really had a blast. I played with Jeremy from Illinois. I played with Scott from PA and I played with Neil from North Dakota on top of highlighter from Connecticut. And I had a blast with all of them. I just rooted for everybody. I sort of kept track of my score, but really only counted it up at the end. And I think that was my saving grace on even some of those rounds where I did bad. Like the round where I did worse, I got like a six on hole number two at Pineapple. And, you know, I came out and I was like, oh, I only got like a 40 or a 41. Like could have been way, way worse on a course that's that hard. So I just took that perspective knowing first year what my expectations were of myself, which was don't come in dead last. And 
I eclipsed that and it was sort of like, okay, because I look at the final scores and if I was to like weigh myself against you guys or the crowd, I did 30 shots worse than Pat, which funny enough is the same difference between Pat and Olivia. So it's just like when you, when you stack that up, you're like, wait, 12 rounds, 60 putts. So Olivia did five putts better than me every round. But when you think about it, if we go out and play, if one of us beats each other by five putts, it's not the end of the world, but it's like two or three putts. You know, you don't feel bad. But when you when it starts to add up in the tournament, it's like, oh, that's really bad. And then you're like, wait a minute. If you brought in the average person to play in this tournament over 12 rounds, some of these scores would be through the roof bad. So you have to like put it in perspective that you're playing against people who probably played in this tournament a bunch, know these courses fairly well and where things can go wrong. And I'm like out there having fun. And it's like money in the bank if I'm not in like dead last. And shouts to uh, Highlighter as well. He made the money for the first time. And it market. I joked because you talk about playing and and you're matched up in the past few years, our skill levels have been pretty much the same. And and we've always played together with each other at the masters (laughs) because we always just ended up with the same score somehow. And then this year we didn't, but it was because we were both doing well and we actually came in very close to each other. But it's funny that we all ended up with people. So I played my first three rounds with Biggie, who all of our Holy Moly folks know as an episode winner from this year. And it was kind of the same, like he was doing the same thing in terms of like just learning from me as we went on but it was good to have that and then i ended up playing geez, seven rounds with nico who um if anybody was watching our, our videos nico has um you know, basically a disability where he can't really use his hands to hold the putter so he's got a specially made putter for his shoe that he plays with and i played the three rounds at pineapple with him and we basically shot the same thing because then we played the next three rounds at Rumble together. But it was it's crazy to see like what an equalizer that that course specifically can be that he could achieve the same scores that we were doing and he was using his foot to do it. Um, and I personally love Pineapple. Aaron, I had the same. My worst round was a 39. I was three over after four holes and I toed my way out. And, and it was it was simply that. It was not thinking about the score and just knowing, well, I did this. I just need to do play every hole the best I can all the way out. But um, every, I don't know everybody hates on pineapple, but like I feel like as a true born and bred mini golfer, like that that's a mini golf course. That is, you got to earn your aces. You got to stay out of trouble. You got to like just chug your way through it and i'm you know it's it i don't know i love it yeah and to i know we've always talked about how like miniature golf is really truly a sport i mean there are storylines going into the the last two rounds where Mm -hmm. you know people are up and they just have to stay the course and and play well and then there's people that are just like clawing like myself to try to get into the money where i'm like one like one stroke behind you know, technically three strokes back because of a, a tie. And now like I'm done my rounds waiting for the final 20 or 35 to play. And it's like trying to make it to the playoffs. I'm like, I need someone to lose. And I have to shout out to Justin because he was one of the people that I had to beat and he had a poor round, actually a highlighter surprisingly had a poor round as well. In the rain. But like in the rain. In I did my arguably, best in the yeah. rain. <laughs> yes, yes. Sorry. Penguins but in the rain. Penguins in the rain. It's such, 
it's such a weird dynamic where like, yeah, now like I did everything I could possibly do. And it comes down after a 12 game tournament to almost like one round or one shot that could make or break the whole entire week. And like I said, I equated to like the NFL trying to get into the playoffs, but like in actual golf, like moving day on Friday, like I feel like the moving day and Pat, if you want to talk about it a little bit, I feel like after you play your three rounds at all, all the other courses, it's that one extra round at Aloha on Friday. And then those last two that are like truly like moving day to try to make your way up the leaderboard. Cause then everything kind of equals out. Everyone played all the same uh, courses. Yeah. That, that's really what it is. You, you play that round robin first nine holes and they bring wisely bring everybody together as much as it makes for a really long round at Aloha. And I mean, you saw this, I mean, that's where Olivia was a little bit down the leaderboard. She ended up, I think it was one back after the 10th round. And mm-hmm. then what they do is they do not necessarily a cut, but they take the the top 35 play later in the morning on Saturday. And that's really your championship Sunday. Like that's, that's when Tiger is going to be pulling out the red shirt sort of thing. And you just, if you look at those scores for the most part, even though it was in the rain, those top 10 scores are just still some of the best scores you're still going to see. Mm-hmm. You know, Tom, you alluded to it. Olivia shot two thirties in the rain at rumble and it all came down to, it was so close and she aced three of the last four holes to win. And that's like, you can't write a storyline better than that from a professional sports perspective. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. And it it had a really great finish. Hopefully there's some way where it can be like fully broadcast multicam in the future and that somebody does that. But I think what that gets me to thinking about is that we're hoping of doing something that like that ourselves uh, to kind of tee up the next really major U.S. mini golf tournament, which will be in 2022, which is the International Mini Golf Summit, which the three of us are organizers of. It's going to be at Dreamland in Dripping Springs, Texas, April 20th to the 23rd. The tournament will be the 22nd and 23rd. There'll be more details coming in the podcast to come, but there'll be all sorts of mini golf related activities down at Dreamland. And if you're thinking about playing in it, reach out to us. Uh, There is going to be free practice for those who want to compete in the tournament and are planning on competing in the tournament. If you go by Dreamland, you just need to drop us a note and we'll give them a heads up down there. You'll hear about more of that and you'll be hearing about the tournament we all put together at Mount Atlanticus during the Masters, the Mighty Minotaur Mini Golf Tournament in our next podcast. For now, I'm going to throw it over to my other hosts and friends to have some final thoughts before I uh, close out our show. All right. Well, final thought on the Masters. Uh, You know, personally, I'm so happy with how well I did, but I think more importantly, I had so much fun playing with the two of you guys and our whole AMA group. I mean, everyone was kind of talking about those blue shirts uh, on Friday. I think we we stood out, not just because we wore those shirts, but we were having such a good time. Um, and really, that's, that's what miniature golf is all about. You're playing a very stressful tournament. You've practiced a lot. You want to do well, but ultimately, you have to have fun doing it. And uh, the one final note for our uh, tournament coming up in April, I think it's fitting that the International Miniature Golf Summit, April 22nd, is Earth Day. 
So it's kind of fit. I don't know if we actually planned that, but it is, uh, I think, a really cool note on top of uh, uh, an international summit that hopefully we can uh, have some uh, the international community come out. We will try to be very green in our tournament. No pun intended, I guess. Ah, there it is. So for my final thought, you know, if you've listened to us talk about for the past few minutes, you know, the, the difficulty, the professionalism, but I, I just want to say like, it is it to Aaron's point, it is inclusive and we would welcome people down. And if you've ever sit there and go, you know, I want to be a part of something that is major, that's professional. It's, it's still an open tournament. You can sign up, anybody can come play and it's pretty much all the same time, right around that first, second week in October, you know, mark that off on your calendar and we welcome you to, if you want to play for the first time, reach out to us. We will show you the courses. You can come hang out. Maybe you can have a blue shirt, but that is something that I just, I love about this is that you, you become part of these communities. You're part of the broader community. I think all of us talked with you know, so many of the players top to bottom throughout the whole time. And now that they've got some of the live scoring, you know, you could send that back to the folks at work and your family and be like, Hey, follow along. And I know when I get back to work, it's constantly just talking about like, well, that was cool and all of this sort of stuff. So think ahead 300 and some odd days and I guess don't skip too far over the summit but put it on your calendar and come out and join us and I would just say welcome people to join any of the mini golf leagues out there that we've talked about in any of the tournaments thousand dollar tournament that Aaron puts on the one that Pat puts on at Matterhorn and the ones that he's attended at Farmington and Dolphin Miniest Open in Minnesota or Puttcraft Really show up to any of those, and I can personally vouch for all of us being more than willing to play with you, help give you some pointers, and really introduce you to the crowd, especially if you don't know anybody. We're happy to bring more and more people into this game and to have them coming out to cool and fun tournaments like the one we're going to be doing down in Texas. So we're going to close out the show as usual with uh, Big Thoughts Mini Golf. So now that I've gone to and participated in the Masters of Mini Golf in Myrtle Beach and have a Master of Arts degree, am I a Master's Master or a Master Master's? I'm not sure, but I know I still have much to learn about the arts and miniature golf. And with that, we're at the 19th hole. So until next time, but when ready. Ugh, couldn't get that last line right. Guess I haven't mastered everything yet.